Hi, I'm Ezra. I am one half of the Beat the Bots team. Brianna Lynn is on another project tonight, but I am interviewing my very special guest, Dexter Davis, again. Uh, real quick, before we start the interview, if you like what we do, give us a follow on TikTok at Beat the Bots and on Instagram at Beat the Bots Resume. Or you can find us on our site at BeatTheBotsResume.com. Got a story to share? Email us with your stories to podcast at BeatTheBotsResume.com and please let us know if it's okay to share on the air. Want to donate and make more cool projects possible? Check us out on Patreon.com forward slash BeatTheBotsResume. And uh, without further ado, Dexter, welcome back. Welcome and so excited to be back. Thank you for having me. Let's get into it. I know I'm over here keeping you thoroughly tickled because I am thoroughly excited for more story time. So before we get into the really silly stories, because I know you have more, especially about that pizza place, you were talking about the differences between your experience as an employee and now as someone starting a business. Yeah, it depends on which side of the coin you're on. Now that I'm delving into creating a business and figuring out how to manage my position, I realize that to create a staff, there are logistics that go into that. And yeah. people have to figure out what are you prioritizing? Are you prioritizing your people or your profit over your people? What is your long-term strategy and goal? The other part is realizing business depth. When I was creating my project, I had to realize that businesses die. Well, they don't last forever, actually. Like, it, it's really yeah. rare that some companies are centennial. So I need to be prepared for this not to last. Most startups fail and investors will bank on that. They're like, I make money whether it's shorted or not. I make money regardless. It just comes down to, are you really genuinely planning for a long-term strategy for the people? Or are you really just focusing on short-term gain life and then you're going to cash out and then once you're done cash out, rug pulling and carrying. That's the same thing like you said when it came to tech bros. The whole point of most businesses is get it big enough that it can go public, IPO out, get your payday, reinvest in some other businesses. We see it all the time on how people make money and get rich. Now, people want to figure out how to be the employer because they don't want to be the employee. If you're going to have a business that wants to be beneficial, maybe I want to create a business that allows people to retire. Because let's be real, most businesses aren't retireable. That could be something that sets your business apart. I don't need a bunch of employees. But it's actually something that you can choose to give because, so I have one employee, right? I know, I'm, I don't have a fucking yacht, but I do have one employee. Not that I want a yacht, but (laughs) I get seasick, which I found out after I joined the Navy. (laughs) Ain't that hey, listen, I'm from Arizona. I had never been on a boat before. The, so, so you said I want to we We're on a boat. Never having been on a boat. No. So the reason I joined was because I was told very explicitly that I was not going to college. Oh. And I would not be receiving any assistance to go to college. And um, I was also not allowed to go to a trade school because I naively suggested that as an alternative because I thought that the whole point was that it was expensive. The point was more about control. Um, in my case, unfortunately, in my family dynamic. So I basically eloped to the Navy and I stole my birth certificate and I got a ride from a friend to go to the Armed Forces uh, Recruitment Center. And I signed away my life when I graduated from high school. And then my dad was pissed, but that's fine because I got away. I was just really trying to get out of a toxic family system. And I, it was icing on the cake that eventually I could pay for college through the GI Bill. But I wasn't even thinking about that. I was in survival mode at that point. And so people were, I remember people that I 
graduated high school with, they were like, oh, aren't you scared? Like the military, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I'm scared of coming back. I sprained my wrist in boot camp and I was like terrified of getting sent back home. And I just toughed it out. Yeah, it was like really crazy. So, but yeah, I was in rival mode for quite some time and I feel like I'm just now coming out of it, yeah. which is weird. I like, Divine. it's been over 10 years. That's, I, as a person with a lot of anxiety, a lot of my anxiety, no. my body developed several trauma responses from life and other things to enforce that. But reminding myself that these are sections of our lives. Like when we talk about psychology, right? They talk about your different stages of life and that what we're experiencing, regardless of what's happening in the factors, tends to actually be pretty right on par for what's happening at this stage in our lives. So it makes me... To me, that's actually the comforting thought is that I'm, I'm 29, I'm about to turn 30. And even in the last year, owning that, knowing that like I'm stepping into a new part of my life where a lot of people have said during this stage of your life, you're going to realize you got to love you, period. Ain't nobody else going to love you better than yourself. And at the end of the day, you're worth enough, but you're going to be setting boundaries during this stage. Your 20s, you're just making mistakes, figuring stuff out, trying to find yourself. And then yeah. now you've made a lot of mistakes, you're undoing these mistakes. And in your 30s, it's a little bit, again, that's still that same stage of, okay, so now I figured out what a, a lot of things I don't like, a lot of things that don't work. So now it's like, I have tools to better understand myself, more language to better understand myself, and an idea of situations and people and places and things. I'm at an assessment stage. I'm seeing these different people and I'm trying to figure out, do I keep them in my life or do I let them go? Because there's some people who are very obviously trash. Go. I don't have to think twice. I don't need this in my life. Get it. That's what we think about when we think about boundaries, the people that are obvious. But it took me more time to do this assessment period and said, before I can even take care of me, I have to remove the trash that I wasn't looking at that was causing me a difficulty. Some of the best people I'd met were people that I met at my job because we share a similar interest and passion. And that's one thing I love about you saying, beat the bots. People deserve to get a job and a company and a place that will help you feel inspired because you never know. You could meet the next person that will pour into your dreams or pour into who you need as a person. I met some of the best relationships of my life out of people who were there at my job. The best training I got was that pizza training. And that's where they taught me who you hire and how you train. That manager was my, whenever I had to ask interview questions, my best and worst manager, it was always her because I saw her team, but she taught me the skills and the integrity that I take as a manager now that has all has set me apart in places. You have to go through the process to get there and understand that you're worth, I allow myself, what am I, what will I, will not do? What will I, will I not allow myself? What stage are you at? And realizing, whoa, we're in our thirties. I don't have to rush to have it all figured out. I don't have to rush yeah. to get it together. In due time, it will be done, right? Vera Wang was in her 40s when she started doing her first dress. Gucci was like 33 when he first started designing and his sons turned in business. They're the ones that built his business and an independent firm is the one that really built it after that. Same thing with Louis Vuitton. They didn't start until they were in their 30s. So, you know, the average CEO is in their 40, late 40s, 50s. So putting it into perspective, calm down. You are right where you need to be. Wherever you are is where you're supposed to be right now. I don't have to rush. Yeah. Something that makes me feel better is just asking people. So one of my favorite things to do is to ask my doctors oh. um, if I get a couple, like a lot of times in appointments, you'll get shuffled in and out in 15 minutes. But if you ever get a chance to ask a doctor or like a counselor or anything like that, 
anything about their lives and you're just like, hey, like maybe at the time I first asked it, I was like 26 going back to school or not back to school. I was starting school for the first time. I was a 26 year old freshman or 27 year old freshman or something like that. I asked one of my doctors and I was like, I feel like I am really late. I was like, well, I know for a fact that some people I graduated high school with that had a different start to their lives. They are already doctors or they're already into their civilian careers and doing really well. Like they're starting families. They're having, they have their own house, things like that. Like things that I had not achieved. And I remember one of my doctors was like, he was like, oh, I was a counselor for uh, like troubled youth that were on drugs. And he was working for peanuts and he decided to go back to school and he became an MD and he was in his late thirties and just starting over um, because it took fucking forever to get through med school, but he did it. And he spent his entire twenties just doing like random shit and jobs that were maybe emotionally fulfilling, but really draining. And he didn't feel like he had the impact that he wanted to have and he wasn't where he wanted to be forever. And he was like, it was a good experience, but I couldn't do it forever. And I was like, you know what? I feel better because sometimes it's okay to start over a little bit later. Like one of my friends, she, well, I was a little bit unfortunate. So she went to college right after high school and she became an event planner. Well, let me tell you what happened with COVID. She went back to school and she's in the medical field now. And um, she was like, I feel like I'm too old, but I want to go back again and become a physician's assistant. And I was like, girl, you are not too old. <laughs> I was like, go do it. Go do it. I was like, you already got three letters of recommendation, like from your coworker. I'm like, don't waste that. Like, you can do it. And yeah, she's back in school and working full time. Yeah. Unless you are dead. Like it's not too late to start over, and it's okay. Like, yeah, yeah, and it's not it's not helpful or healthy to compare your journey to anyone else's. Yeah. Like my journey is totally different because I spent six years active duty doing suck all, and then and then I took a couple months off, and then and then I was in. I didn't want to take a couple months off. I was because of applicant tracking system software, but. That was like the worst summer of my life. And then, yeah, and then I was in school and I, you know, wasn't really feeling fulfilled with that. And I decided not to stay with the thing that I went to school for. And I'm happy now. And I went to school. I was supposed to go to college for, for theater. Crazy story. My theater teacher drove I do love the theater. Yeah. My theater teacher drove me for an audition. She drove me 12 hours from Virginia Beach, Virginia to Ithaca College, New York. Jesus Christ. For one audition, I had one audition. I gave two monologues and a spoken word. And the spoken word was really just because I knew that didn't sell. The monologue wasn't sold. And I had to do them as a girl at the time. So I, I wasn't sold. And I felt it. And I could feel it when, with the way it was going. And I said, I also do spoken word. Can I do a spoken word for you? And they said, sure. Because it's a predominantly white institution. So did it. They're like, what is spoken? When I knew, but they were like, wait a minute, hold on. We were like, wait, because my, my teacher said, she said, oh, you should know. And I had just written it. And I think I'd done Shattered Glass and I need to redo that one and read it again. But they loved it. And to make it, to understand for people who don't understand, who don't know, 
it's thousands of people who apply for 25 spots at Ithaca College, and I was one of those 25. I nice. have only been in two plays before that, and I was Puck in A Midsummer's Night Dream both times. That was the only Classic. part, the only play, the gender-neutral character that I could play because I got to be confused. That was how it lived. And I had, I was a lighting designer. I, you know, directing, writing, I'm even finding old pieces that I wrote. I have a knack for this and a calling for it. And my teacher saw it. She said, you need to get away from here. You need to get out of here. I need you to get away because you need to know that there's an entire world. You literally got blinders on. One of the professors, who's still a good friend of mine to this day, and we stayed there. She'd done some of our master classes once before, so I got a chance to work with her. She does Rasa Boxes. Her name's Paul Murray Cole. She's amazing. Rasa Boxes is an amazing intervention technique and some good emotional technique. But I got to do the audition. I heard back, and I got in. And that year, I was also, I graduated as valedictorian of, our, of the VPA, so the Visual Performing Arts Academy. And our teacher gave us a charge. Our program director, Ms. Malati, gave us a charge. She said, make great art. And what you do in this world, make great art. And I've carried that with me ever since. So I go to college and literally during that summer semester, when I go in and I walk in uh, that first week, I looked at my schedule because they had already chose 12 of my 18 classes. Um, and for the first four semesters, you're not guaranteed. You have to audition to stay in the acting academy. And I was scared. And I was like, I was scared because I said, it wasn't that I didn't think I could do it, but I was like, how am I going to be able to afford to take care of myself? My family wasn't in the best yeah. financial situation. So all I was thinking about was I can't afford this. Um, even with the loans and stuff, which I didn't have a lot of loans. I had almost near ride scholarship, but I didn't know how to manage it. And I was by myself. And unfortunately, during that time, I met one other person who was a black person from the area, which was great, but I really was isolated and it played a lot into my narrative of how I went there. So I ended up switching to psychology and I understand everything happens for a reason. And even though I, there's parts of me that wonders what could my life have been like, I understand I had to do this. This was how my life had to go in this trajectory because the reality is I went to school as a girl. Had I been in there, yeah. I would have had continued doing women's roles, which I was already uncomfortable with. I gave up being Sister Aloysius in doubt my senior year because I was just like, I told my teacher i said i just i was like have you ever just struggled to get in, into character and she said what do you mean i said i just don't i really struggle to be women like i really was struggling to be at that time and looking back i said it understands because i didn't see myself as one so i being these women's roles made me feel so uncomfortable um which was funny because i tried to be a woman at the end of the year and wear skirts and dresses and had a whole like britney spears moment that didn't work out well did that for about six months and said we can't do that anymore but if I stirs is in shaving your head, I had up to that point, up to my senior year, I had, I used to get perm or relaxers. So my hair was like an anime character. So it would be, I would sweat it out. So God. it would be, oh yeah, look at these old pictures. It would be spiked, but it'd be fluffy enough. And black people know they'd be like, oh my God, I know your mom. My mom just dealt with my shenanigans because I went to predominantly white schools. She said, you know what? If I'm just going to deal with it. Okay. I wanted to go natural because I knew I was going to college and I was not going to have black hair care where I was. So yeah. I cut all my hair off and I started wearing skirts and didn't realize I had a shape. It was a lot. Going. It, was a, it was a lot. But as I went off to college, if I had been in theater, I would have still been trying to do these women's roles. I would have been uncomfortable. I probably would have ended up not being in the program because I was really struggling to connect with the roles and I would have been at rehearsal. That's important because I happened the day that I met that one Jewish girlfriend in the stairwell is how my namesake experience 
comes from one day I was walking down my dorm, going down the stairs because we had a lunch elevators and it was like 12 floors. There was no taking an elevator. So I'm walking down the stairs and I see a random white girl in the elevator. And this was before get out. So my spidey senses was tingling. But my natural curiosity was like, and in Southern hospitality, but we just can't run upstairs. We got to say something because she saw me. So I'm like looking at her. She looking at me. I'm like, random white girl in the elevator. I don't know what to do. And back home, they say freeze and you panic. I don't know. I don't know. So at this point, I'm like, I don't know what to do. So she was like, hey, can you let me in? She said, I need some help getting into my room. And I said, okay. But she said it really fast. She said, I need your help. I need some help. I got locked out of my room. I'm Jewish and I can't get in. And I don't, I've heard a lot of things, but I'm Jewish and I can't get in is not one of them. So I, in order for me to open this door, I now need to know what that means because this is not adding up. And so she's like, I'm an Orthodox Jew. I have more questions for you. I have a friend who was Jewish. I didn't know that she couldn't get into dorm rooms. I don't need to know. But it was the Sabbath and she couldn't use any electronics. So I was like, now you've got me interested. And I can obviously tell. I said, what kind of, what major are you? She said, I'm a writer. In college terms, you're a lesbian. So we already knew. <laughs> Once you told me, I said, you're here. You're Orthodox. You're at a liberal college and you're a writing major. And you're gothic, ma'am. Something, something's. What do? What do you? Oh, you didn't tell me she was a goth. She, yeah, she was a legitimate a quoi, as far as what TikTok calls her. <laughs> my friend calls it ligabit, but she was a legitimate a quoi. Okay, alphabet mom. Oh I was God. like, girl, I can look at you and tell you it was legitimate a quoi. I know you was Jewish, but I was figuring that she was going to tell me because she could tell I was. She couldn't tell. Okay, I was in sweats at that point. So since because I was at sweats, she figured I might have been a lesbian, but she wasn't really sure. And I wasn't really now. sure. So <laughs> neither of us was sure. And she's the one that asked me one day, literally out of nowhere, hey, do you think you might be a man? And I'm like, is this what you Caucasian folks do? Y'all don't ask how people are doing. You don't ask, can I ask you a question? You don't do a check-in. Y'all just ask life-changing questions in front of people at 2.30 in the morning. Do you just get possessed? I don't understand. Just out of nowhere. <laughs> have you ever thought you were a man? Ma'am, did you? How long have you been meaning to ask me that Especially question? Especially it's the main character. Main character energy, bro. I was like, yeah, I didn't. But then I decided to go down Google. Then, and that was around Purim. So around April, around March. Oh, the Jewish holidays. uh, Passover. uh, Right before Passover, the uh, the holiday of Esther and Mordecai. And that's the story behind my name. So that was earlier in that year. So that was almost 10 years ago now. That was about 10 years ago that I had met a random girl in the stairwell. um, Decided I was going to make her my girlfriend and become a Jewish man going full. Mom, now. My poor mom. I had, to, I had to learn. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was in school. And so when I went, it was like, I was like, okay, I'll do psychology and that's fine. I'm glad because I'm learning a lot and it's been really helpful, but I still didn't know what I wanted to do. And my theater teacher, I had asked her right before I called school, what's your best advice for becoming a good actor? You know, what you know, to study and stuff like that. And she said, you can take workshops and classes and stuff like that. But the reality is you have to live life. To be and experience an emotion, especially one you've never experienced before or a situation you've never experienced before, but that only comes from you living and experiencing life. The best experiences, I remember bringing an experience out of someone because we were trying to do a piece and to get that emotion that I knew was there that they were still blocking, I had to bring up a recent, very unfortunate passing that had happened. And when they had, when it clicked in their mind, like that feeling, you got the character. And, you know, we had to bring them back emotionally. After that, they were like, how, they were like, God, how yeah, the work does. But realizing, like, in order to be a good actor, you have to live life. That's your source material. And now that I'm living life, one of the cardinal rules of acting is that for any scene to be possible, a character must have a motive. 
That's it. Touching, there are four storylines. The character wants something and they get what they want. The character wants something and they don't get what they want. The character's ending, you don't know, and the audience determines it's an open ending. Does the character get what they want? The ending is left open to interpretation because it's like a circle. So it'll start itself back over. And the ending never mattered in the first place. It wasn't really about that. The journey yes. was about the point. The destination was not really a story. And yeah, that's pretty much every story possible. That's what it breaks down to. Your life is the same way. People, when they engage with you, employers, when they engage with you, they have a motive. There's something that they want. What does that person want from you? What does this job want from you? Never thought transferable skills in my adulthood life would be like theater, theater advice. What do you want from me? Psychology advice. They do want something. They just won't tell you. My, my life story is that my motivation is I want to be a silly little guy and I am actively boiled. Interest. Nonsense. That's the best I word. I I'm like I want to go outside and enjoy nature and take pictures of bugs yes. and garden and do my silly little tasks. And I am actively foiled. <laughs> he said, "Whoever's playing my sim, I need you to figure it out because I just want to yeah. be outside and garden." But sometimes I see those like old guys with beards with this dirty sea bag walking down the side of the road and i was like that sounds nice if i could just get rid of all my shit my god i need to not live in a van down by the river though because that's what my chief told me I would oh my jesus remember how i said i used to work for a pizza company the kind that you just keep going back yeah. to the last time i went to work out there i decided i wanted to work in another city and the driver and just have a little bit of fun and i was like you know what i'm gonna be productive bro i'm gonna be no bro i'm gonna work Set, I'm going to work my day job and then I'm going to work here on the weekends and I'm going to save my money up. Man, first of all, the money won't worth it. Second, when I went and for three Sundays in a row, they had the same group of homeless individuals that would meet every Sunday and have Sunday dinner. Now, I the first time I was confused because I was like, I think that it just maybe it's someone's birthday and they're just congregating outside. But when I realized like they meet every Sunday. And one of them has a boom box. Some of these people got food that they've gotten throughout the week. Some of these people ain't got no feet. Some of these people got wheelchairs. Some of these people ain't got other body parts that work. Some of these folks probably can't see or hear very well. And it don't matter. They make an effort every Sunday to make it to this little spot. And I was like, wait a minute. Because when I started to notice that they have more fun just in fellowship, laughing and joking, and I'm angrily delivering pizza on a Sunday. I was like, wait a minute. Now, one of us has hacked life. I don't think it was me. I ended up going home after that. I said, friend, I'm gonna tell you right now, because my friend was like, oh yeah, I know them. If it wasn't for the fact that I'm the manager and I make so much money, trust and believe, I definitely would go to because it is annoying when you go outside and realize they were having much more fun. And I got to close on a Sunday and they're outside having, they just having a good old sweet time. It'll be raining, do we? And they will make sure that Saturday they were the young. Oh, no. Uh, I have to remind myself, nothing's really that serious at the end of the day. Nothing's really that serious. That's facts, man, because being Unless it is weird and anything can happen. I had a, I have an uncle, my one biological blood uncle from my mom's side, and he passed at work. Now, mm. that, his name was Vincent Davis, and he knew another Vincent Davis. So there were two Vincent Davises at the job, and they were friends. Oh, this is perfect for this podcast. So oh, one morning, I... it's dark humor and trauma, trigger warning. Um, he would call my aunt every morning, four o'clock in the morning, government worker, y'all do this. Okay. Y'all open up butt crack of dawn. That's just what y'all do. Call her every morning like clockwork and thought every morning. 
So he goes into work more. He told her, love you. He goes into work. And uh, the other Vincent Davis comes and finds him. He's like, man, I'm a joke for you today. And he's saying, okay, man, lay it on me. Lay it on me. To this day, nobody knows what the joke was. But that man, Vincent told him this joke. And my Uncle Scout laughed and hemmed and hawed. And he laughed so hard and he grabbed his chest and he collapsed. His heart exploded. Jesus Christ. His heart actually exploded. Yeah, because he growing up, he did football and he did wrestling and he did basketball. So he did the weight up and down. He was the kind of person that gained weight. And you see how close those seasons are together. And he was a big dude. He would he would juggle, he would juggle hitting yo-yo diet because he was also in the military. So he had already had this unhealthy behavior. He had a heart almost three times. They say when they finally did the autopsy, it was almost like two to three times the size it was supposed to be. Wow. So the amount of pressure from this joke, the poor Vincent Davis was definitely traumatized and didn't want to tell a joke for a long time after that. You know, again, if I had to think about it, okay? What a way to go. What a way to go. And I'm just like, y'all, I've joked with people like, y'all, if I die, if I'm dying on the job, take me outside. But I'm also just, if I'm going to be, I want to be somewhere that if I, if my heart exploded from a joke, I at least want to work somewhere. That's the way I go out. And I at least don't have to tell my coworkers to drag me outside with my dying breath. I don't know if you've ever been in those work environments, but in, in food service, we're like, you know what? I'm going to die. If you die, we, you know what? We're just going to drag you up. Well, just make sure you drag me outside because I don't want to die on company property. And then we debate, should you die on company property? Because then maybe you get like a, a benefit for it. I know you've had that conversation or two. I had that conversation about my ship and I decided that it would probably not be for my benefit if I haunted the ship. Yeah. See, I don't think it, I don't think, I think the military is the exception to the rule. Y'all, that's a little bit different when y'all die on ships. I don't think that's the same. We also, we had a lot of dark humor. We actually, we got cards against humanity and fuck, Mary kill banned. I can believe her. So... There's no other group of individuals, but I can believe that would do that. It would be you guys. Yeah. It's funny because most of my shop was some of the LGBTs. Yes. The LGBTs. Yeah. I now identify as a legitimate A what? A legitimate I'm a legitimate We had a very high concentration of the LGBTs in my shop, and it was, it was fun. They are a lot of managers. I've had a lot of queer managers. We out here. I don't know why people. That's why I was like, wait a minute. A lot of my managers, like, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. That's why I'm like, oh, yeah. Coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> going, yes. I go, hold you. That's one of like positive stereotypes, and they're their worst positive stereotypes. Is that if I have, yeah. My positive stereotype is that if I have a lesbian manager, oh, Work is getting done. Oh, yes, I know. We're going home. They are going to run that pizza shop like it's the military. And when I tell their life, and when I tell you they are passionate, there was another one at the marketing agency. And when I tell you, where does this passion come from? But when I tell you work gets done, and I've gotten into a lot of shenanigans, that, again, best pizza, best manager was one, and she was like, you know what? We get the show and get the biceps too. Because that's why I, that's why I use the bicep emoji. She is the reason I use the bicep emoji because she used to call me Lil D with send me the bicep emoji. And so now she's gonna pop your head like a grape. She's like, yeah, mind you, we're the same height. So I'm just like, okay. One day the driver got caught in the rain. I'm talking like whoosh, rain, it's flooding in Norfolk. It's like rain. She said, it's that time. I said, what, what time is it time? She said, this is the time where you build charts with your team. This is the time. I said, wait a minute. Is this a motivation? <laughs> what lesson is this? Why are you screaming? 
what main character energy? Oh my God, where are we going? She said, the driver is stuck out there. And this right here, you want to understand how it is that I get these people? And she'll be so serious too. Give me the serious face too. Do you want to know how it is I've been able to turn these store around and get these five stars? Because they need to know that I will be there. I will show up. And I was like, okay, that's servant leadership. We got in her car. She needed to drive that she skirt. And the next thing we know, we end it. And she said, grab the pizza boxes. And that's when I learned that pizza boxes and cornmeal will get you out of a rut. And we went up out there and got up in that mud and put the little pizza boxes, and pushed them out the ditch, hung oh back in God. mud. And she said, well, I'm not a bud. <laughs> I don't get that. And now I work Sometimes. in office spaces. Like, we don't do that now. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. I do, I do mess yeah, the camaraderie, but uh, both food service and the military in the trenches. <laughs> they now. both have trenches of human beings. So they, they also do, they basically conscript you into food service in the military if you're in the Navy. That They're like, you have mess duty. They're like, you have to go. They call it cranking in the Navy. They're like, you have to go. I feel like a lot of your job is saying things that sound funny and saying them seriously. Yeah. I to laugh. <laughs> Everything's stupid and made up and arbitrary. Oh, Just yeah. in general and like all of society. But yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. I got sent cranking to work in the hazmat division instead of the food department, though. Yeah, because I pissed off my chief because yeah. I didn't like him calling me a dyke. Oh, and there it went. And he said, well, I got something for you. Oh, okay. Listen, I don't even I don't even understand lesbians. I don't date women. I don't understand women. I'm like, why are you calling me a dyke? Just because I'm a little bitch? Right, because I'm a little bitch. Yeah. Like, okay, so you really need to see the birdcage. So it's not Robin Williams' character. It's the character that plays his spouse, who is a drag queen. If my boyfriend is Robin Williams' character, I am the spouse. Because I am pretty flamboyant. And silly. <laughs> like, I am, I have, I'm too silly. I'm just like, I'm not that butch. I don't yeah. know why this is picking up that we don't need that one. We need the fun, we need the fun one. Cause I know I can be the scariest yes. one. So I'm like, you need the fun one that reminds you that we're like, oh, we play because uh, life is play. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like the little ball of chaos. That's tiny chaos. And then he's like the big stoic guy. That's adorable. And I like to be tiny yeah. balls of chaos at times. It just depends. <laughs> I don't know how it's for me and tolerates it because sometimes I'm like, nope, we're about to get this tiny chaos. Hey, nope, we're coming in. Hi. No. This is happening. Yeah. So I'll be resonating with the TikTok. So just like random moments of energy burst. And I'm like, yeah, that's just don't ask me where it comes from. Now you've unlocked a new level of friendship from me. Okay. You've unlocked a new level of my personality. And that was another thing I had to learn. Like you said, when we had popped on about the joke, everybody calling new hubby. uh, We got the subscription package yet. I had to get to this place in my life where I was like, y'all, you got to look in the mirror. And as part of your affirmations, be like, bitch, you like a big company. You like, you bigger than Netflix, okay? Oh you bigger than Hulu. You bigger than all them subscription services. And if all these big companies who are people, right, can have a subscription service. Why can't I have a subscription service? Yeah, you got a subscription service to my time. You should have a subscription service to my time. Now, everybody gets a free trial when you first meet me. Everybody got a free trial, right? But not everybody is going to make it to a VIP. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's a really expensive tier right there. It's a lot of work oh my God. that you got to pay to be at the VIP tier. So some people, you got bronze, you got silver, you might got gold, you got a little VIP platinum up in here. And sometimes what happens is we give bronze or we'll give gold and platinum benefits to somebody who's paying a bronze price or somebody who ain't even paying and it only has a free subscription. And yet you're giving them more benefits because, oh, you got a free trial access to my life, but I'm giving you the responsibilities 
expectations and benefits of a silver tier person, I'm dissatisfied with the with whatever this relationship is or why you are not, why there's an issue. Because I'm like, oh, I'm sitting here, let me pour too much into something or a situation that you're not supposed to. Same thing with a job. If I got a job that I'm thinking, oh, this is a VIP platinum level job, but in all honesty, it's like a free trial access. It's only supposed to be in my life for a little bit. Why am I giving them all this work? Like, I really had to think about it now that I'm writing a book. I look at a situation. Would I include this in my autobiography? If it's not making it into the autobiography, then it don't matter. <laughs> like, There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot. I'm deleting. Yeah. I'm like, that's trifling. Delete. Delete. Write that down. Delete. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some experiences where at least I got a good story out of it. I had told one of my friends from college because she took a um she took an internship at a think tank that was essentially pure evil. And she was like, oh, I don't agree with it, but I don't want to see how they work from the inside. And surely they can't be that bad. And it's my only way to get an internship in D.C. And I fit we were talking on the phone. And I was, I'll just preface this with um, every experience is valuable whether it is good or bad <laughs> and and then she when she got there she was like oh they don't treat me like an equal because i'm a woman and i was like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i was like but you learned something didn't you um, I a lesson, like, didn't it It did and i was like that's why you gotta pick and choose who you work for because if they do not align with your values chances are it's not gonna be fun to work for them and like you said, I think that is my ask yourself for your values. Like you made, you had me do that. What do you want to see in a job or a company? Because nobody asks that. When yeah. you do career development, they just ask you what kind of job you want, how much money you want to make. But I'm like, if I have 12, just same pay, then it depends on how do I navigate what I'm going to do. What do you want to do? But if I don't know what I want to do, then I'm 29, still trying to figure out what the fuck we I want to do. We better try so. We try so. Um, Good and it's okay to reevaluate your values. And they change over time. Like I said, you, they you're going to change over time. Your values will change over time. Like, I got to realize that I'm doing stuff. Present me is really just past me for future me. So like present oh, me has gosh. to do stuff for future me. So I'm like, okay, I might not want to do it. You should read this book. It's called The Seven Grandfather Teachings. Uh, I think his name is James Vukalish, but he is, oh my gosh. You should also look him up on Instagram. He is an Ojibwe man. He is an author, advocate, speaker, and linguist. And he is preserving the Ojibwe language. And the seven grandfather teachings, um, there's this part where you need to think of yourself as part of society in that you are part of the past, like all of your ancestors and all of your future ancestors, mm -hmm. whether you have a direct lineage to them or not. Um, and so, like, everything that you do in life needs to align with that. Like, you need to take care of the future. You can't just say, oh, fuck the present, I'm going to do whatever destructive thing. You need to think about your the ripple effects into the future. And I think, like, a really beautiful way of thinking about it. And that, I don't know, he's just a really cool guy. I like that. I recently realized there was a, it goes, there's an African belief, the idea that, like, your soul outside of this experience knows what it wants to do and so it's like imagine like this energy ball talking to a big energy ball like, so it's like tiny energy balls like hey big energy ball big energy was like hey what's up <laughs> so this is what i'm gonna do this is what i'm trying to accomplish you know what i'm saying I'm trying to get my life as a soul I'm trying to learn and grow so that eventually we can be a part of you and then big energy ball like cool sounds like a plan 
just know that when you go down there, you're not going to remember any of this. So good luck trying to figure it out. And it's like, wait, what? Oh, God. And it's like, oh, the ladder crawl. And the next thing you know, <laughs> hey, I'm soul is born and your body's like, what is going on? And, and it's a disorientation. Oh, what is going on? I'm supposed to be doing something. And then nobody understands you for several years of your life. Like, oh my god now you're trying to figure yeah. out what you're supposed to be doing nobody understands you and your body physically doesn't have the capability to do anything so we're just trying to figure all this out and the interesting thing was that imagine that a soul or a piece of energy it never dies right so it's like living a thousand lifetimes so if i'm an actor and as an actor this was interesting as an actor if you're gonna act for 40 years would you want to be the same character for the next four years? And you can see that most people are get typecast. These certain people, they're in certain roles. Do you want that to be the only role that you ever play? And some people say, no, I would love to play. You're a silly guy. I want to play the villain sometimes. I might want to play the hero. I want to play different roles. If you think about your soul being something that exists for a thousand lifetimes, it, has, it will be back. And once I realize, wait a minute, some part of me is going to be back here. I may not remember being here, but like some part of me, Oh, geez. Like, I actually have to pay attention to the future because I don't know what I'm going to come back as. So, like, I wait a minute. We might actually need to make sure things are okay. But it's cool thinking, but I'll be back here. So, it's like, that's the idea. There's a part of me that will never be back in this experience. But the idea of there is an essence that I will be back. And that there is a continuance in part of my spiritual healing has been nice. Versus the idea that, like, again, I'm going to burn in some kind of eternal flame. Oh, oh, God, yeah, I never bought into that. You know what I'm saying? And then again, coming back to the idea that, you know, you're unlovable because to say that something would be burning or would be disappearing is essentially to say it's unworthy of existence. You, you, you Especially to be born with original sin. I was like, that's a load of hoo Really strong thing to bear. And yeah. the idea of, whoa, that's a really waiting thought. I had a recent workshop experience that revealed that, that big question of, what would you do if you're a person that believes in a creator or anything? What would you do if your creator, your higher power, your God, your whatever in the world is playing this giant Sims game said you weren't lovable? You weren't worthy of love. No human could love you because even the thing that created you couldn't love you. That's pretty intense. I would be upset. Yeah. What's the point then? But right. Yeah, not the I, question, uh... What's the point then? And for some people that that idea is what's the point and it's, if something above me couldn't even love me, then what's the point of being here? Because nobody will love me. And then at that point, it's like, here we go down a whole bunch of trigger warnings. But then also anarchy or growth, depending on how you ask questions. But we don't even get there. And now we have capitalism to just put a bandaid on. No, God. let me buy something to feel a little bit better. Well, just to feel something. Not, let me give you something to give you yeah. dopamine hits so you don't have to think about existential life crisis. Like the idea that like, what am I supposed to be doing? Were you, were you told that you were an old soul growing yes, up? Yes, all the time. Oh, I learned when I became an adult, people said that's trauma. I was like, it's, it's trauma and another ancestor staring my body. I think, guys, I think it's a little bit of both. Oh, my God. Oh, this will be another time. Oh. Uh, do you have any spooky stories that happened at work? I was going to do a Halloween episode. Oh, my goodness. Any unsettling things? Because my ship was haunted as fuck. Oh, my gosh. Not your ship. But I mean, they used to say that for our particular pizza brand, one in every two chains is haunted. Now, given the ship, stuff that I've dealt with, I actually am not inclined to believe that they're entirely wrong. Like, I admit that was, it was a fun, it was, you'll figure it out. I guess we used to, we used to call, we used to call guys who would date girls on the job, Dama Hose. You could figure the rest out from there. Oh, that makes sense. You could figure the rest out from there. But it was interesting because there used to be this theory that like, 
the reason that our stores would go through so many crazy shenanigans was that one district. <laughs> but the set, that was what I was told as an assistant manager. And it is a crazy thing. What? I remember the first store I ever worked at, which was in Norfolk near a shipyard. And that store wasn't too bad. It wasn't there very long, but it was just because we couldn't keep people. So at first I was like, okay, this must be a good Dama host. No problem. So then we go to my <laughs> first store where I'm supposed to be assistant manager. And this is where I'm driving in the snow to go pick up drivers because their cars are getting hell off. I got Karen's coming. I'm doing this thing called school lunch. Wait, now every these are perfect pizzas. I don't know if perfect is hard to create. And when they're not perfect on top of everything falling apart and breaking, like you could lose a lot of money and you're like essentially your job. So like randomly, Man, like things serious. just wanted to stop working mysteriously. Um, that this was the first time that I accidentally ordered 30 bags of green peppers. You ever see four cases of green peppers? Unfortunately, that, yeah, because we had to onload shit to the ship. Yeah, and yeah, and then I go into another one, having the drivers getting nearly shot outside. Oh, I had that's probably why they're fucking haunted. <laughs> oh, we had one where the drunks next door the drunk. they would get mad. I would have to keep when I first got there the bathroom. The sink was hanging off of the wall, so I keep the door closed. And they used to tell me about this thing called drunk rush. And they said, be careful of drunk rush. And I said, what is that? And it's like, it's like late night, people have lost their minds. They ain't got no common sense. You can see the worst sides of people. So I had some ladies come in one day and they were really angry and they were like, oh, it's in the bathroom. And I was like, nope, because you're not throwing up on my floor. And trust me, I don't have anybody here that's going to clean it up. And I'm angry because I've been here for two weeks and they, nobody told me I wasn't going to get any sleep. I'm not doing this. When I tell you, bro, she got so mad. She looked me dead in my eyes. Rabs. Six napkins. I'm staring me down. Grabbed them so I could hear every napkin come out. And then she proceeded to walk outside and walk inside of my building. But then, no, she didn't. So then my driver comes inside and he is angry. And I'm like, bro, what is wrong? And he said, I'm gonna fight that bitch. I said, bro, what's wrong? He said, what am I supposed to do? They're like, bitch, pissing on my car. And I'm like, now, what do you mean pissing on the car? Is she like pissing on your tire? Or what do you mean she's holding on to my bumper and she's pissing on the thing? I said, I did tell him that she couldn't pee inside. I don't give a damn. What the fuck am I supposed to do? Look, I'm, I posted in the group chat. <laughs> tell me about this in my manager training. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Okay, I don't know what to do you. <laughs> Let her shake it off. I don't know. I can tell you, bro. So she was possessed. Okay, I got you. She was possessed. So yeah, no, every one of the stores that I had, I had one where I it was my third week. Oh there, no! And don't I was going to get a pizza. Day off. And I was like, I'm gonna get a pizza. It's gonna be great. Went in, got my pizza. I was like, getting into my car. I was literally pulling out. My assistant comes in. This is the first assistant that I had to really learn how to fire. And I broke my heart. But I was like, I had to really come up with a good excuse at the time because it was shenanigans. <laughs> she came outside and was freaking out. It's just extra late. I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? Oh my God, what's wrong? I just got pizza. What did I do? And like, you want to break pizza a day? That's how I flip up in and said, here, I don't know. I'm going to be fat. What's wrong? And she said, oh my God, he can't come in tonight. They just had some shit happen and they won't be able to come in. Well, what happened? There's two, I mean, why two people? I didn't know it. What happened? And she said, they just got pistol whipped and they can't come uh-huh. in because I said, wait, so that's the wait, car what? Part. And I'm like, okay, these boys lift four doors down. Four How'd doors they down. get pistol whipped? It's four doors down. The, bro, it's 2.13 in the afternoon. What is going on? What city was this? Norfolk. <laughs> Next uh, college. Well, so she said no. So apparently one of the boys' dad owed some drug dealer some money. He knew where the house and was. He thought that dad was home. Dad won't home. So the boy and his cousin one decided they wanted to pop off yeah. kind of reckless out the mouth. 
and they decided they was going to pistol whip both of them and take the money. So then he calls shortly after. Now, mind you, this happened shortly before I pulled up to get my pizza. <laughs> You're like, I'm just showing up what to be shot. She said, it's okay. I'll do the night shift because it was my first day off in two weeks. Oh, like, my God. Again, how am I supposed to explain this in the group chat? I'm supposed to keep putting this in these group chats. And then when I put it in the group chat, all they say is, damn, you're still crazy. Damn. Do you still have that group chat? No. How <laughs> many times I've been in this group chat? Bro, it was the fact that I was like, damn. y'all keep putting my black ass in these crazy situations with these crazy stories because I'm disarming. But no, I had one with a driver pissed off a dude in traffic from Chesapeake and he no. followed her to my store. He was mad. No. He was not letting she cut him off and she flicked him off and he said, nope, he saw that logo and he's there. Skirt, he followed her. I'm just chilling. She comes in. She's cussing. She comes through the thing. He coming in the front. He's cussing. We got bulletproof glass. I'm like, now what's going on? Oh my what's God. happening? My manager had just left so I said, Jesus, I don't have time for this. And then what happened in all of this was that we had some accidental pizzas. I had an order canceled. So I had already had 10 small pizzas that somebody had just canceled. So I had 10 small pizzas at my store and I was just sending them off to random people because I was mad at this point. So now she comes in. I said, girl, you are literally here to pick up something for your store. It is a 15 minute drive. What is going? Why is there a man screaming? And when I tell you, he was talking about, I'm going to beat your ass. I'm going to beat the dog shit out of you. Come on out here, little girl. I'm going to shoot that ass. I said, oh, my God, sir, come outside. And I said, sir, understand we are melanated and we are in Norfolk. And that is a nice uh, Caucasian woman in there. Um, I need to understand what's going on. But, sir, you saying stuff. And these cameras ain't got no recordings, but 911 do. So I just need you to let me know, sir, what's going on. And he told me the story and he was upset. So I got something for you. I went in. I got him a tiny pizza. I said, I am so sorry. I, you're not you when you're hungry, but I will call the star. I will go ahead. I will fuss. You right. He said, she don't know what we do out here. You right. Because I know where you're from. You're from a place where they shoot for real because you guys actually do carry felonies. And some people drive around with the ankle bracelet on. I got that, sir. You can go back to that side of the water. I am not messing with you. Take the tiny pizza. I'll give you a second tiny pizza if you want one. It's okay. It is okay. When I went back in there, I said, I need you to understand. I am five foot three. That man is six foot noon Why would you do that? Y'all know I have bad nerves. I heard bad. Why do you, y'all insist on putting my Steve Uncle ass in these situations? Why? Oh my God. Like, he shouldn't have cut me off. Boy, I was so mad. Oh, this was the same company. And mind you, I became a manager at the same. So this, this incident happened. When I first started working at this store, I was a college student. And this is where one of the drivers tried to explain to me how black people benefited from racism. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Fancy. He said, check this, right? And mind you, like, dude had cartoon thick eyebrows. So I was just like, bro, you look like if you go outside, you're going to like in the dust because you like you like vampire thin skin. But he was like, bro, no, seriously. Mind you, folding pizza boxes, just casually having this conversation. He said, okay. So in, back in the days of slavery, I said, like, oh my God. Oh boy. My just 3.30 afternoon conversation. My manager's just walking around. This is normal. And I'm like, I know I'm not the only black person here. Right? I'm not, am I the only one hearing this? And he said, no, back in the days of slavery, they used to take the biggest, strongest slaves and breed them together. And so now Ugh. this is why black people are benefiting in sports like basketball and football. Because I said, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh God. <laughs> She said, you're welcome. <laughs> what the Wait, so what you're saying is, wait, I said, wait, so you're saying that, wait, 
what you're saying is that there's a connection between them breeding strong slaves and black athletic achievement. And he said, yeah, like you had these super slaves who make like these super athletes. And I'm like, this is like eugenics light, like Jesus. Bro, he was so it's chill about crazy. it. But I was just like, I see where I think you're trying to make the logical connection and it's not there. It's not there. I'd be what? like, bro, read a book. Oh, wow. This is why people go That's to college like, because. Did I ever tell you? All right. So this is. I had, they sent me off to work 30 days and nights in this place. It was like a training command in Norfolk. Peter, this is when I was in the Navy. This was like, for my first command. You this, got was in like 20, this is like 2011 or 2012. They sent me to do a 30 day training thing, but little did I know, I did not have a computer and I had to watch someone else send one email a night. Oh no, ma'am. And I had... And I had, it was 12 hour nights. Oh no. And so I had just turned 21. So, you know, I was buying beer in the morning. I was like, hell no. You were that person when they come in at six in the morning, they're like, you open up the cooler and they're like, what's wrong with Yeah. And I was like, it's been a long night. Yeah. But the worst part was that they had a, well, first of all, the second worst part was that they had a TV in there, but they only played Silver Linings Playbook on a loop. Oh, no, man. It's not a good movie. No. And I don't even watch any- the two guys that I was stuck there with most nights. One of them, he was a nice guy. He was just like this like random Jewish guy. The second guy, he was from Minnesota or something, and he was a conspiracy theorist. Oh, and he no. thought that the, you know what the, you know where the Poconos are? Like those mountains? Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, He thought the Poconos were put there by aliens and also that Jews, remember, I'm working with a Jewish guy. Oh, no. He thought that Jews (laughs) were controlling everything. Yes, that's very common. I had to hear this guy talk about crazy-ass conspiracy theories and argue with this Jewish (laughs) guy every fucking night. While Silver Linings Playbook was blasting in the background, I thought I was going to lose my damn mind. Oh my God. Have you ever heard of the play No Exit? No. Check out No Exit. It's an existentialist play where it's... Oh boy, I can't handle that. Hell is other people. And you just gave away the plot of No Exit, basically. Basically, it's three people. Imagine this is what hell is. You die and you wake up and now you're in a hotel room. And you can't sleep. And there's three little little men and you're there with two other people and you're in a room and the door is closed. And there's one person who comes by every day, like a bell and like checks on you, but you can't actually leave the room. So the play, it's you're in this hotel room for the rest of your life with two other people. And the premise of the play is hell is other people. That's with the same two people, the same two people. And the people, they're not ran ever. Their traits are the kind that are directly hellacious to you. So like this guy. With no exit. <laughs> and you couldn't leave. It wasn't oh a four-hour shift. It's just the rest of your life. That was the rest of yeah. your life. was this conspiracy theorist and this Jewish man. That worked. Yeah, hard pass. I would fucking die in- internally. Oh, my God. Hell is other people. You don't really need to go to hell. That's hell on earth. Hell is other people. I was like, oh, yeah, Ezra's experienced that. 
He'd been yeah. patient there for his job. Man, I have, I have a lot of I have a lot of stories like that. Oh, real quick before we leave, do you have anything that you want to plug? Like perhaps a podcast or a website or a specific project? If you want to check out more cool stories, you want to know what next with Dex, go ahead and follow you on my personal website. It's going to be dexter-davis.com. It's a hyphen. So dexter-davis.com. And shortly, we will be launching our podcast called Loving Me Back to Hell um, in inspiration of a book. Basically, we'll be sharing my journey as well as cool dad advice with the community. So not only am I sharing my dad with you, we're going to go through all the cool things that I find fun and share them with you guys. So check me out for Loving Me Back to Health, the book and the podcast. Stay tuned for that. You can always check me out on social media under Dexter Davis or Dexter-Davis.com. And you have a book that you are a part of coming out soon as well, if you want to plug that. Yes. BlackTransManCanCook.com, a.k.a. Trans Man Can Cook, are creating their first book. So, yeah. Who can cook? Trans men. And they? They sure can. So come and check them out. The Half of the book is stories. Half the book is recipes. Come on, figure out what works for you, what vibes for you. This is a book by trans men, but you don't have to be a trans man to get one. What did you cook in that? Tuna <laughs> <laughs> fish and eggs, and it's an entire story about my bachelor bro meals. My goal is to talk about bachelor bro meals, teach you how to make meals on the go, because I have gone through a variety of everything from like homelessness, houselessness, job insecurity, housing insecurity, situations where I've had I had a refrigerator and I didn't have a refrigerator. I had a stove where I only had a microwave. So my recipes are focused on recipes that you can make when you don't have a you don't have a cooking skill and you may be on the go. I pretty much have been living like a college kid for the last decade of my life. Um so my bachelor bro meals are meals that you can make that can also still be healthy, but are on the go. So like for me, it's tuna fish and eggs because that's something that my parents used to make. But it's a proteiny meal that bros love, but it's something that I use to remind my loved ones not to judge a meal by its ingredients. Don't judge a book by its cover. Anyone who looks at it, oh my goodness, you put tuna fish in your eggs? And everyone who's tried it is like, whoa, this, I'm surprised. This is hearty and savory. I'm shocked. You got the umami going on. Exactly. I am- I was a little bit horrified initially, but now I'm a little bit intrigued. You, you're right. It's okay. Yes, chef. Yeah, that's <laughs> the most that I know because everything else is how to eat, you know, the Kroger, Kroger chicken and the mini meals and make you a healthy meal. Okay, so man, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you some stuff from my catering and personal chef days. But please, <laughs> my man's out here eating tuna and eggs. Exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna go so that I can give, give my man's some attention. Right. But he's probably he's probably like this. he's probably mad. I won't. Well, nah, he's not mad. He I don't think he got the practice of violin as all. You got peace coming. All long enough. I got. How am I gonna get this nugget? Nugget. You want this? Okay. You want to talk about? I know. I know. When you go back to edit this, you gonna be tickled. You want to talk to Ezra one day for the podcast about your crazy job experiences? He said one day you could interview him for the podcast. <laughs> I know he's tired of my shenanigans. <laughs> oh my gosh. So um I'm really glad that I deconflicted my schedule with my boyfriend because he was under the impression, unbeknownst to me, that at seven o'clock he was going to practice his violin for an hour. And I said, uh, unbeknownst to you, I was going to conduct an interview for an hour. So that let's work this out. I because <laughs> 
Um, he has okay, so he's been practicing since November. It is now August. He's getting pretty good, especially because he practices every day, and I've heard it. Sometimes I had to leave the house at the beginning, but no. um, it's still not something we want in the background of the interview. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> that was a beautiful way to say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we we uh, we conflicted our schedules and all this. Right. This is what a relationship looks like: finding people who will tolerate your shit. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll I'll talk to you soon. Love you, bro. Love you, man.